Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin. We are once again deep into the early February, late January doldrums. And there deep. is almost deep into it, Ben. Deep. We're so deep. We're not, we're way beyond the balls deep, Ben. We're chin deep. We're <laughs> well, chin deep into the February doldrums. And we have nothing to talk about. We're wading through a thick molasses of pure nothing. Pure nothing whatsoever. But sure, look, Ben, that's not going to stop us from talking about the new Sony, Sony's extended efforts to alienate every fan they've ever had, Ben. <laughs> also, we'll be taking a look at Peacemaker Episode 6, and then we'll probably have to think of something else to fill some time. It'll, it'll come. It'll be a tangent. Sure, listen, Michael, don't worry. If you haven't thought of anything to fill the time, we're also going to be taking a look at Solar Punk. The relatively new genre sweeping the youth of today, Michael, perhaps providing false hope for a future, or perhaps the exact antidote we need to climate anxiety and depression. Who's to say? Mm. Let's find out on the podcast today. I'm not to say, Ben, because I've never heard of it. Yes, well, that's what makes you such a strong co-host, Michael. Uh, You really just sit back and let me do a lot of the the research. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ignorance is a virtue, Ben. Benjamin. (laughs) Yes, you're lucky you're Speaking... Yeah. Speaking of ignorance being a virtue, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. I bloody know more stuff than you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Speaking of ignorance being a virtue, Ben. Yeah. It's never a bloody stop Sony being ignorant from oh. making, for some reason, billion dollar films. Yeah, look, it, we have an old saying here in Ireland, uh, Michael, which is it, it's better to be silent and have people think you're a fool than open your mouth and confirm it. And mm. oh, Sony's never heard that one, have they? <laughs> That was um that was one of the original draft names for this podcast, Ben. Yeah. It's just going to be an hour of silence every Monday morning. <laughs> Where people will come away saying, God, those lads, they're just, they're Very sharp. wise. They're sharp. Very wise. Very wise. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. We have both thoroughly enjoyed Dr. Michael, Michael Morbius, the film. Uh, yes, because it's been on time. It's come out. And surprisingly, Jared Leto wasn't insufferable. Uh, we're doing a mirror universe, Ben. We haven't seen it. It's not out because it keeps getting postponed. Yeah, because it's shite. Benjamin. Yeah. I have a theory about why it's been postponed. Go on. I reckon it's been postponed because they have to go back now and they have to remove all the MCU stuff that they put in it, thinking that the merger of the universes would be permanent. <laughs> Do you reckon? I reckon. I genuinely do reckon. I have a feeling, Ben. I have a feeling they're going back and removing Michael Keaton's vulture. I I think we probably won't see him. I think. Do you think? Do you think Marvel really did it that well, Michael? Do you think they were like, ah, look, we'll we'll let those dopes over at Sony think that we're giving them a mixed universe, which is probably out quickly. They sent Michael Keaton over, and they said, Michael, are you in for a prank? And he went, Michael Keaton doesn't really have a distinctive voice, does he? He said, uh, Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, yes, yes. I, Michael Keaton, trained actor, yeah. am always yes. up for a bit of banter. I love a prank. I love uh, pretending to rob someone and then going, it's a prank, bro. Uh, Michael, of course, we aren't talking about Michael Morbius because that wouldn't be the point. But we've gotten some really weird news today. Straight Michael. out of straight out of Ben, what the Americans call left field, which I believe is a, is a baseball metaphor. Straight out of left field, Michael. What we got is... Um, 
Madam Web is going to be coming to the screen. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, so, good. Uh, obviously, everybody at home now is just leaping for joy as beloved and well-known, internationally adored character Madam Web will Madam be Webb, gracing yeah. the silver screen. We all know yeah. her. Everybody knows her. She's like, hello, all of you spiders, men's. I need you all to team up for something interdimensional. Yeah, so she's... It, it, there's a couple of places you might know Madam Webb from. Mm-hmm. Uh, number That one, club you go to in Berlin. Yeah, that's that's the one. And you need the special password and the you have to sign the non-disclosure agreement and all kinds of things. Um, yeah, you'll be in trouble if you say any more. Yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> Where you might actually know her from is the Spider-Man animated series back in the 90s. Hello, Peter. Don't worry, there are millions of Peters. Yeah, so Madam Web was the walking epilepsy fit um, that would pop up on the screen every (laughs) once in a while and trigger Peter's spider sense and we'd get all kinds of little cool UV light spray paint effects and then Madam Web would be there in her big webby chair. A big webby chair, Ben. A big webby throne. Yeah, and she was just mad unhelpful for poor old Peter. That was that was usually the trope of it. It was like, oh, let me speak in riddles, even though the fate of the universe hangs in the balance, Peter. Something is going to happen to one of your loved ones called Mary Jane, or maybe it isn't. Maybe. Ah, Peter, but I had to give you the choice in order for you to be a hero. To which Peter was just like, oh, do you know what? You're some Elba. I'm fucking sick of this. <laughs> fucking fucking of this. absolutely sick to death of this fucking interdimensional webby chair bullshit. <laughs> Get fucked. Get um, out of here, you. Where are your legs? <laughs> he says. So she has a condition in the comics, and I, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Let me see if I can find it here. Lack of legitis, I believe. It's Lack of legitis is correct. Um, no, but in the comics, Michael, she's a mutant. Oh, is she? Yes, she was introduced in the 1980s. Cassandra Webb is her name. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, because why, why would you stretch? So Denny O'Neill came up with her, so that's not that shocking that of course we kind of got yeah. that. Um, Denny O'Neill came up with that. She has psionic powers, is what they're described as, Michael. Oh, that's what mind powers were called in the 80s then. <laughs> yeah, so she's a gifted intellect. She oh, yeah. has telepathy and clairvoyance and precognition, Michael, which is why she's always turning up going, Peter, something bad may or may not happen. To Mary Jane or someone else. Or someone else that you care about. Perhaps Aunt May or Mary Jane or, you know, that's really it because that's all we've given you. But yes. Yes. Uh, so she was born in Salem, Oregon, Michael. Oh, classic. Classic witch trials, Ben. Um, and she was originally stricken with something called myasthenia gravis yeah which, which is a long-term neuromuscular disease that leads to varying degrees of skeletal muscle weakness yeah lack of legs lack of yeah a little bit like that michael now what's interesting about that michael is she's always been depicted as a much senior citizen she's an owl one. she's she, half spider owl one half sperm yeah so that's probably why it's weird that they've cast dakota johnson to play her in the bloody film your favourite actress and mine, Ben, Dakota Johnson. I don't think it's anybody's favourite actress, is it? Yeah, yeah, people loved her in... Um, uh, uh, what was she in again? Um, Sixty Shades the, of Age. There's a motel and everyone's murderers or whatever. What was that? Was she in that? <laughs> was she in that? <laughs> there's a hotel and everyone's murderers. Oh yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. it was... Oh. Um, 
something at the El Royale, Good Times at the El yeah, Royale or something. That one. Was she that, that was a great film, Michael. That didn't get enough respect in its time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even remember its name, Ben, but you raved about the performance of One Dakota Johnston. No, I didn't. That's a lie. You did, you loved it. You no. loved her in, um, oh, I'm a sad mother and Olivia Coleman keeps stalking me. Um, I think that's just life, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's out now. I can't remember what it's, it's called. It's motherhood, I think, is what it's called. I think is it's it? a very simple name. Yeah, she's tipped okay. for an Oscar again. Is that Olivia? Tipped Coleman? for an Oscar. Tipped for an oh, Oscar. Yeah, that, oh, it's not Olivia Coleman who's been cast as Madame Webb. Although that probably would have been better. That would have made more sense. I would have watched the fuck out of that. That makes kind That'd of sense. Great, that would be, be enjoyable. I would I'll like let, to see. I'll, I'll watch how... Dakota Johnson as. We had a little, we had a little hiccup there, but yeah, you'd watch Dakota Johnson as what? As as Madam Web, Ben, is she going to be a sexy Madam Web? I I assume so. Is it going to be a Madam Web origin that nobody ever asked for? <laughs> Excellent. I hope so. But it's a bit like a you know, it's a bit like making an entire film out of I don't know another obscure Spider-Man character like Morbius. Morbius. Yeah, that'd be weird. Wouldn't it if we got a Michael Morbius film? And you'd probably cast yeah. someone equally kind of not maligned, but also not beloved. Someone I, I don't know, like Jared Leto. Hold on a. Hold on a second. Are you saying that Dakota Johnson, Hollywood darling Dakota Johnson, is maligned? I don't think she's maligned, but she's misliked because of her, her well, little turn she? in Fifty Shades of Grey, Michael, I think. Well, I don't know, Ben. I think that might be your own prejudice. Oh, it could be. I'm full of it, I think, uh, as you know, you're Michael. You're full of prejudice, Ben. Mm. Yeah, I think Dakota Johnson is quite beloved these days. All right. Well, I take it all back then. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been on PerezHilton.com. And, oh, um, yes. Big fans of Dakota Johnson over there. Oh, well, that's good. Me and the gang. You you and the gang at PerezHilton.com. Yeah, me and the gang at PerezHilton.com, which may or may not still exist. We're big big Dakota Johnson fans. The weird thing about it is, would they, how much, what would it take to get Sony to stop doing Spider-Man films without Spider-Man in them? Um, Michael, they have the, the golden goose for making Spider-Man films if they really want to, and it's called Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. And it works. Like, I don't know why you would muck around with that there's a perfect introduction I think she first of all I think Madam Web is going to be in the sequel across the Spider-Verse played by Dakota Johnson by Hollywood darling Dakota Johnson maybe okay I don't know Um, I don't think so Um, because all the news has pointed to a solo film Michael Um, (laughs) a solo Madam Web film it's weird it's mad Ben yeah it's weird it's mad it's really strange I don't get it I don't get what they're doing yeah, uh, neither do I. Ben. Yes. It's not going to happen. No, probably not. It's not going to happen. It's, it's going to happen up... like the Silver Sable film and the Black Cat film and the every other film. Morbius is the weird outlying anomaly that managed to happen for some reason. Yeah, just Jared Leto sent a lot of dead animals to the producers and was like, I'll stop if you make the film. I'll stop if you make a film. I want to be a flying scientist vampire man. Yeah. So, uh, look, they have a perfect model for introducing all these obscure Spider-Man characters, and it's the Across the Spider-Verse film, or any other Spider-Verse films, because I think it's fair to say, Michael, that those have been the most successful Spider-Man property, barring Far From... or No Way... uh, which one? Something Home? (laughs) Yes, but they haven't been. Um, uh, Every single Spider-Man film that's ever been released has been a success. Yeah, but have they, though? Yes. You know, I mean, the, financially, yes. In a deeply philosophical sense, though. In a deeply philosophical sense, no, Ben. I would say only No Way Home has been actually good. Thank God for that. Because it had three Spider-Men in it. Three Spider-Men? Three Spider-Men. And I like that one, the, 
yeah, and I like that one um, with the with the diverse cast of characters. They were all middle aged white dudes. Yep, and that was good for us, Ben, because we saw ourselves represented in it, which we don't often get to see, Michael. We don't see it very often, Ben. Mm. You were saying that about Avengers. I, I think this needs more middle-aged white men on it. Yeah, I just really didn't like the one female character in Avengers. Um, yeah. I, I felt that it was pandering, Michael. Are um, you telling me, Ben, that in reality, women make up one-sixth of the population? Because I don't believe that. Because if they did, I'd see more of them around. <laughs> more of them would probably talk to me, Michael, if that were the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd see them for sure. So I know yeah. that's not true. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cooks and Fucks, where we take a look at what's wrong with the world um, through casting and cinema. Um, anyway, Michael, speaking of something that we absolutely love and is actually full of interesting diversity used in an effective way, come here to me. Ben, <laughs> I've just got a, I've just got a text from Spotify. Our listeners has, listeners have tripled. <laughs> In the last five minutes, for some reason. <laughs> They're offering us an exclusive contract, Michael. I have the email here. We've got a partnership deal with Spotify all of a sudden, Ben. <laughs> Non-negotiable, it says. Hang on, Donald Trump wants to have a quick call. He wants to do a guest appearance. <laughs> Hold on. We'll get that set Very up. Very good. Sure, listen. Sure, look. Go on. Come here to yeah. me. Come here to That's me. it. That's what the podcast called. Yeah. Uh, did you see the latest episode of Peacemaker? Benjamin. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says, it's the best program on television. It is, hands down. Who's saying otherwise? No, I don't think anyone is, but I don't care, because I wouldn't be listening to them anyway. Yeah, okay. Because we'll, I was going to say, we'll send Vigilante around to their house, get that sorted. Send send Vigilante around, Ben, send Peacemaker around. i tell you what I did, though, do though. What? My good, la- my good lady friend has been thoroughly enjoying um, Peacemaker, Benjamin, and she hadn't seen the Suicide Squad, so we watched the Suicide Squad oh, last night. Great! And it really made me feel again it's the best job that anyone has ever done of having a tv show and a movie that work together it's a it's a match made in heaven michael it flows beautifully oh it flows beautifully ben it's on a totally different scale and Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't feel the same but peacemaker is in that movie fully formed yeah no he's all there he's all there he's all there he's he comes out fully formed, Ben. It has one of the funniest scenes in superhero movies of all time, where Amanda Waller says, each of you has been chosen for your own unique set of skills. And then she introduces Peacemaker with the exact same set of skills that uh, Bloodsport had. And that is just hilarious. To which Bloodsport goes, what? You just... Yeah, you're taking the piss. <laughs> That's yeah. my thing. One of my one of my favorite scenes from that film, Michael, is the competition between Peacemaker and Bloodsport, where they're keeping score. I just think it's a yes. beautifully shot action scene. I just think it's done very well. Very good, Benjamin. Very um, good. Very good film. And Peacemaker comes out of it fully formed. It's just a Peacemaker origin story, Ben. It's it's great. Yeah. Uh, this this bloody show, Michael. I did not yes. realize how much it had made me care about some of those characters. Yeah, the, the spoilers obviously for episode six, Benjamin. The old, poor old police gang—they got a bit—they got a bit hard done by. What is going on there, Michael? To say that I was taken aback by the twists yes. and turns in this episode. So, I think this might be the penultimate episode. Is it? I, think, I don't think so. I think so is it, it two more? Eight. Are we getting two? We're getting I think a t- it might be eight. Tight eight. Okay. I honestly don't know, Ben. I'll check. I'll check for you while you okay. figure wheels about so if we, if we do a full, a full spoiler-free kind of thing very, very quickly, this show has delivered us a cast, a motley crew, Michael, of characters from lots of different backgrounds with lots of varying states of mental health. Mm. Uh, it's given us a great weird little alien, a, a new weird little alien that we can all be afraid of. 
called yeah, the butterfly. Yeah, it's really hard. And one of the things that the show does very well is it treads that fine line between serious and humor a lot of the time. So that it flicks between the two of them, and when it does happen, you go, "Oh Jesus! Oh, okay, we're being serious oh, again. No. Oh wait, oh there's a le- there's there's a bit of levity. Okay, Ooh, huh. <laughs> uh, And one of the things that we did when it came to the butterflies, Michael, was they were a bit silly once they were defeated. They're tiny. They were just little, uh, little tiny flappy fellas. Yeah, they're tiny little flappy fellas. Um, In a jar. But come here to me, Michael. Holy fuck! This episode. Very horrific. Horrific little creatures. Oh, very horrific. You don't want them anywhere near you. Yeah, so in this episode, we lost the intrepid police character known as Sophie, Detective Sophie. All of them. Yeah, all of them. We lost all of them by the end of the episode. But I have to say, that scene where Sophie is taken by Goff, oh. No use. Michael. Very unpleasant. Oh, I don't want it to happen to me. And I've never felt so bad for the other detective. What's his name? Cole, is it? I don't know. I can't Man detective. Man detective. He's so heartbroken because he knows something's wrong with his buddy. And he's just like, oh. Don't worry, he gets his comeuppance too. Uh, They don't though. They're just trying to do their job. Yeah, they get their comeuppance for trying to do their job. Oh, Michael. Like some people get their comeuppance and you enjoy it. You get to see Locke get an L L butterflying. Yes, Locke. I tell you what, Ben. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I, I watched the film The Suicide Squad. Yeah, you did. You mentioned that, yeah. Just, just recently. It was only briefly, and though. Yeah. It, yeah, I did mention it, though. And in that, it's all about weird little alien things coming and jumping on your mouth and possessing your body, too. Look, James Gunn has a a, a fetish. There's no doubt about it. He's got, I think, a, he's got a weird... I think he must have been terrified by the facehuggers and aliens when he was a kid. I'll... Although... No, he he claims it's Starro, doesn't he? It's Starro that disturbed that him in the first place. Comic. Yeah, he read yeah, Starro yeah, yeah. when he was a kid, and that's what got. Like, which is fair. Like, it's a very disturbing concept. Um, yeah, yeah, but there there are a lot of similar images. So, the the police scene where the police station is attacked by the butterflies, and everyone is getting the things flying into their mouths mm. and attacking them. That scene is almost exactly the same as the scene where Starro releases his stars on the military in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, the only difference between the pair is that one is done without anybody knowing and the other is done with the very obvious starfish. This is a big, huge starfish man. Yeah, yeah. big, huge starfish man. Um, oh, it's it's very interesting, Michael. I have to say that that final scene where Sophie leads the butterflies into the police station, very cool. Very, very oh. cool. <laughs> Some of the best music, Ben's choices. Some of the best musical choices so far. Uh, we might have to make a mini video in the future, Michael, where this is a deconstruction of eighties uh, of eighties masculinity, like as a show, because from top to bottom, this show, Michael, is just an astounding deconstruction of superhero genres and American exceptionalism. And I'm here for it. Go on. I'm here for go it. Go on. Go on. Go well, on. Peacemaker is the your your classic kind of brought up to believe that America is the home of the the land of the brave and the home of the true and all that. You know, malarkey, star-spangled banner, guff. Yeah, you know. Don't say bullshit. You were going to say bullshit. I, I said, saw your lips forming. The the. I, I the said guff because we've just we've only just secured our very sensitive deal with Spotify, um, and oh, I feel yeah. like I feel like we could spread as much anti-vax uh, cods wallop, Michael, as much QAnon uh, malarkey as you like. But the second we take a crack at you know the home of the brave and the land Liberty. of the free. Um, we'd yep. probably get cancelled so we, we won't do that we Pe- won't lose it so soon but you know looking at the roots of Peacemaker his father is a white supremacist you know yes a virulent racist who still hasn't got his comeuppance mind 
Not even a hint of comeuppance for him yet. Not a whiff of comeuppance, Michael. He does have a very racist super suit, though. He does have a very racist super suit, Michael. Very. Very clan. He's a super Klu Klux Klan. Yeah, he's yeah. a super Klu Klux Klan, Ben. I just read a phenomenal book, Michael, called Ring Shout, and it's about... Um, it's about the 1920s and it's about a group of African-Americans who take out the Ku Klux Klan who have actually made a deal with the devil. And Ku Kluxes are a demonic form of being that hunt black people. It was really good. Oh, that doesn't sound great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a really amazing novel. It's uh, Ring Shout by P. Juele. It's really good. Okay. Check it out. But anyway, right. sorry. That's completely apropos of nothing. Um, we got a lot of different scenes there, Michael, of you know building towards big moments. And we got you know the white dragon suiting up again. Um, mm. with his, with he's his, coming after him with his weird little racist he's going to kill his son going to kill yeah. his son I think the white dragon's very bold Michael <laughs> I think he's no, he's no good he's a, bit, he's, a, he's a bit bad yeah I, I think I think the only reason that the white dragon is going to win any part of this fight is because Peacemaker will pull punches because I think mm. Peacemaker in full flow is actually quite a force to be reckoned with but we don't get yes, to see yes, it much for sure but, I mean, White Dragon does appear to have a super suit. Yes, I think it's probably the super suit that's going to be the issue. Um, yeah, because Robert Patrick is a 60-year-old man. Yeah, there was a little, there was a little Michael, there was a little uh, Chekhov's gun. A little Michael. Uh, a little Michael. A Michelin, if yes. you will. Yes. And there was a little Chekhov's gun put in about one episode ago, I think, by Vigilante, where he came into the quantum folding space and he said, oh, there's weak points in the suit, it's no good. Oh, so oh I very think, good. He's going to know them. I think bloody vigilante might uh, come in a clinch, Michael, as they say in in the the pop culture world. And I think he might do a little bit of slicing and dicing. Mm. Mm. Because he does have a or little vendetta. Scabies. Or maybe. I mean, it could be either. But anyway, Michael, just to just to come back to the 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 jaw dropping moment of watching the entire evergreen police force. Um, be taken over by butterflies holy fuck I thought that was so harrowing some of the scenes very very upsetting the yeah, zoom upsetting. in on Locke's face as he's taken over oh oh no serves him right though oh no I mean had it coming great actor so well done um, very good do you watch the little post credit scenes in every episode of course I do yeah, of course I do ben. Him, him pretending to be sad was phenomenal very <laughs> good so disturbing very good actor um, very amusing yeah, um, and I think, uh, I don't know, what do you think is going to happen next, Michael? I'm very excited. Benjamin, I've had a look at the episode titles, so I don't oh, want to spoil oh, it based on episode titles. Boots. But it looks like there's two episodes left, okay. and it looks like one is going to be a showdown with uh, White Dragon, and then the next one is going to be a showdown with the Butterflies. Okay. Not that they won't link across or anything, but, you know. It'll be one it dealing like with the other. The okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, tight yeah. eight in the end. Tight eight. Tight eight, as we say, Ben, on the yeah. podcast. A, tight, a nice tight eight. Um, what I do know as a result of this very solid six episodes, Michael, is I'll be having more of a, the Suicide Squad spin-off universe if James Gunn wants to make them. I'll, I'll be watching all of them. Yes, please, Ben. I will have as many as possible. Yeah, you can keep stacking and, them up. You can keep stacking them up and you can take your Hawkeyes and you can shove them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little unfair, but I think if you want like an adult superhero world, we're probably going to go with James Gunn on this one, lads. Um, so good, so good. Benjamin, I'm telling you, go back and watch Suicide Squad. It, it, it's put in a whole new light by this show. Okay. It really, it sings, Ben, it sings. James Gunn, he's good at what he does. He's good at what he does, he's doing good work, Ben. No doubt about it, no doubt about it. I tell you what I would like to see, Michael. What would you like to see? Them scrap all this other superhero crap in DC and just focus on a Suicide Squad universe. Just do that. Just, yeah, just work from there. Work back up from there. Give it all to James Gunn. It's grand. 
No, maybe not at all then. That would be a bit much. But no, just give do it all to like James one Gunn. Film every, do one film every two years in this universe. No, no. Everything for James Gunn. Okay, everything for James Gunn. That's what we say here at this podcast. E-F-G-J-G. J-G. Yeah, you got it. F-G-G. Yeah. So you heard it here first, lads. Hashtag F-G-G. Um, and uh, yeah let us know what you thought of that uh, when you get a chance we, we'd love to know what people are thinking of the bloody Suicide Squad um, so I get like in it. touch with us in a couple of different places uh, I'm not doing my wrap up yet Michael but I just thought I'd, I'd pitch it to the I thought I the episode little, was over there for a second I then. thought I'd do a little mid-show call to action Michael just in case people you know maybe you're tired at the end of the episode you don't have time to mm. get up on that Discord baby you know you don't, you don't have the energy Michael after absorbing lots of new information into your brain Benjamin, I thought the episode was over, so I was going to have, have another smug of tea. Oh, another smug of tea, Michael. I see you're holding another up the, the smug, smug of tea there. We might post I've that to the Instagram smug. so people know what you're nom, talking nom, about. Nom, 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 nom. I'm having some smug of tea. Nom, yes, nom, it nom, could nom. be yours for the low, low cost price of twenty nine ninety nine ninety nine. Um, oh my God, that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot of money for a mug, isn't it? Um, mm. <clears throat> anyway, Michael. Yes, what is it? Peacemaker, bloody good. John Cena, Great. so much range. Oh. oh, the range on that man. Oh, unspeakable amounts of range. He can do anything, Ben, from angry muscular man to sad muscular man. He's good at muscular men. Piano muscular man. Piano muscular man who don't write journals. No, yeah. didn't write them. Um, I did think we were going to get a butterfly reveal when Adebayo was hanging out with her wife. I did think we were. Yeah, I still think we might get some big reveals, Ben. Benjamin. Yes. You know what else I've been watching, speaking of fiction? Go on. I've been watching Pam and Tommy. Michael. Yes. Good grief on that makeup <laughs> job. It's incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So I I have only just become aware of Pam yes. and Tommy. Because yes. one Sebastian Stan is in it as Tommy. Yeah. He and is. I couldn't. I was looking at Pamela Anderson. I said, who is playing Pamela Anderson? And my good lady friend turns to me and says, that's Lily Collins. And I went, that's Lily Collins, Ben. I know, it's incredible. (laughs) But it it is. really incredible. They've made her look exactly like Pamela Anderson. It's it's stunning, Ben. And you know what? Uh, Funnily enough, there are full nude scenes in it, Ben. Oh, for both. For both leads. And they've made them... They're wearing full body prosthetics, Ben. And I mean full body prosthetics. I see. So they've they've made them look... Like Pam and Tommy, how do I say this, Ben? To the last detail. To the last detail, Michael. To the last detail, Ben, if you know what I'm saying. Which is difficult to reconstruct from a grainy VHS tape from the 90s. Well, there's plenty of uh, there are plenty of uh, examples for Pamela Anderson, I think. Good. And I think Tommy Lee will show anyone his penis. <laughs> that's the problem with Tommy Lee. Hashtag no it's good. It's one of his problems, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's 90% of what's gone wrong. Um, yeah. But uh, compared to me, what's it like? It's all right. It's it's pretty good. It's uh, it, it kind of takes... Um, it jumps around in classic uh, prestige genre TV fashion. Okay. But it, it's mostly a comedy, I would say. A comedy of errors? It's a, it's quite good. It's quite engaging. Um, it's going to win awards for best hair and makeup for sure. Oh, it has to. No, and I was very, I was very pleased. Lily, Lily Collins, excuse me, <clears throat> it is Lily Collins, isn't it? Yes. Lily Collins is doing an incredible job so far as Pamela Anderson, but the person who's really impressed me is old wooden block Sebastian Stan. How's he doing? Because like, I keep forgetting it's Sebastian Stan. Oh well, that's good. And just yeah, and just buying into this character of Tommy, and it's it's uh. It's surprising. You never forget that. Um, 
you never forget that Seth Rogen is Seth Rogen, and you never forget that um, Ron Nick Ron, Offerman is Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman is Nick Offerman. What's his name in Parks and Rec? Ron Ron something? Swanson. Ron Swanson. You never forget that Ron Swanson is Ron Swanson. But I keep losing Sebastian Stan, and then every now and then at the end of an episode, I go. This Sebastian Stan. That's fucking mental. I've never seen him doing so much acting before. Yeah, he's got range. Yeah, yeah. Not he as much do, range uh, as John Cena. I've never seen him play the piano. No, no I've never seen him play the piano. Ben. And he, he doesn't do muscular manner. He's this very skinny, gross man. Oh, does he? He's, he's a bit of a... He's yeah. a bit of an... an, an uh, what do we call him? Is it an endomorph? Is that the little little skinny... Fa- a drugsmorph? He's, he's a drugsman. drugsman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's a classic drugsman. The lesser, the lesser known sequel to Kingsman, <laughs> the drugsman. Yeah, um, drugsman. Kingsman is out, Ben. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. It's supposed to be very no, good. No, it isn't. Oh, is it not? I don't know. I've just assumed. Okay, I, I, I do remember distinctly, Michael, that you and I gave up on the Kingsman franchise after the gross, mean, and frankly vulgar sequel that came out. No use. No um, use. I remember, did we go see that together and the two of us were sitting uncomfortably in the cinema going, ugh. Very unpleasant. When Very they, unpleasant. When they unnecessarily and unpleasantly killed off Mark Strong, I went, well, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. Just bad. Completely. Utterly ridiculous, Ben. You all right there? Yeah, I'm just looking at a comic book out of the corner of my eye, and I think they've drawn too many fingers on Thor. I think he has six fingers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it all—it's all kicking off here at the 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 tiny room, ladies and gentlemen. We <laughs> said it was going to be a filler episode. We didn't. We didn't say that. We said that for last week's episode. They can't oh, all yeah, be yeah. filler episodes. Michael, speaking of meat and potatoes, come here to me. Yes, come here to me. You know what world <laughs> because of Tommy time? Lee's penis. <laughs> Right, very good. One of your best segues, Ben. <laughs> Do you know what doesn't have a lot of meat or potatoes in it? Uh, the future. Solar punk, yeah, and the genre around it. <laughs> it's not a, not a whole bunch of meat and potatoes. So, Michael, come here to me. Today, Yes. what are the different punks you know as genres, Michael? Go on, give us a, give us a list oh, there. Punk, standard punk. Standard punk, good old-fashioned yeah. punk. The old pink hairs, mohawks. Yeah, they're classics. You know the the punk. Then Benjamin, there's cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh, what a what a what a dystopian genre that is, eh? It's it's in the future, Ben, and everyone's got like USB keys in their fingertips. Yeah, and they're going jacking into stuff. They're oh, they're always uh, jacking in. Yeah, there's our friend Shane's favorite genre, steampunk. Steampunk. Oh, oh, weird at conventions, Michael. But sure, look, sure, listen, that's fine. Everything's everything's made of gears, Ben. Everything's and made of gears. Powered by, powered by steam and imagination. Yes. Do I know any other? Do I know any other punk, Ben? Um, I think that's all the punks I know. Do you know any others? Yeah, there's one or two more, Michael. There's there's diesel punk. Oh um, yeah, that's Mad Max and whatnot. Which is Mad Max and the likes. Um, and then yes. there's there's a couple of different ones. There's post cyberpunk, which we'll get into another time, Michael. Um, and then yeah, that's about it, really. That's that's about as much as we get. Um, but. Michael, come here to me. There's a relatively new genre on the block, a new kid, if you will, on okay, the block. And in the last year or so, it has become phenomenally popular on social media and the likes of TikTok. Oh, go on. Uh, so today, Michael, we're going to be taking a look at solar punk and its origins as a genre. What the um, hell is that, then? Yeah. So, uh, 
if you take a guess for me, Michael, what do you think solar punk might entail? Given that we know that punk is generally a system that satirizes and inverts the the primary energy source of its time or the primary technology of its time. So cyberpunk is a, a look at a a radical dystopia based on digital technology. Diesel punk is right. a radical dystopia based on diesel based technology. And steampunk, yeah. you cars, guessed it. Cars from the seventies. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I got it. What I'm do you with think you. Solar punk might be. It's about solar. Everyone's wearing solar panels, man, and throwing solar panels at each other. Yeah, everybody's got the little black kind of mirror panel things on them, and they're kind of yeah, wandering yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, and there's and there's one guy going. They're actually called photovoltaic panels. Uh, I think and everyone's you're like, "Oh, you're you're fucking no crack, fucking Alistair." <laughs> so that's that's actually Alistair C. Gibson Smythe, uh, who is of course yeah. one of the titans of the sci-fi genre from the early eighties, uh, Michael, yes. and uh, he created the the classic um, "Rain, Rain, Go Away," which is a solar punk fantasy. And mm. uh, yeah, just phenomenal reading, you know, um, a little bit, a little bit uh, racist, but, you know, a seminal work of science fiction. Work, work of its time, Ben. Work of its, <laughs> work time. of its time. Of course, I'm being facetious, Michael, but generally these genres have a defining text, you know, as go they on. go along. Um, I'm going to get this wrong now. Um, oh, very good. Ben, what's the defining text of steampunk? Uh, oh, that's a great question, Michael. So early steampunk is, is Jules Verne. Um, oh yeah I'm in the Nautilus let's yeah. go into the ocean and so whatnot. 20,000 20, leagues under the sea um, or I may, I may have that wrong it's so, it's so many leagues under the sea Michael um, yeah quite a depth quite, quite, quite a de- boy is this deep hmm? um, Ooh, <laughs> let's make a pressurised submarine but yeah. so deep anyway the way that what's works what's the seminal work of cyberpunk then? yeah so that's um, exactly what I'm trying to find now Michael Um Oh, it's gonna drive so me. Shadowrun is it? Shadowrun then? It could be Shadowrun. I'm. I, I think it might be Shadowrun. But a, a lot of these came. Michael, Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic is a classic film example. It's one of the earliest examples on film. Um, but as I pointed out in my not so great bit, uh, Michael, there, these things generally have a seminal text. So the one that's generally thought to be the go-to basis of the cyberpunk genre is William Gibson's Neuromancer from 1984. Neuromancer. God Neuromancer. Um, Should have got that. And that, that kind of built up the idea of, you know, virtual reality and tech being built into people and that kind of idea. And then that was later taken, Michael, to extreme heights by animated films like Akira. Hmm. And Akira, the lawnmower man. Yeah, the lawnmower man. You know, little little hints of horror, body horror, that kind of thing, with that kind of thing. But William Gibson's Neuromancer is probably one of the the first examples of that. And then Diesel Punk's first example is more than likely, Michael, controversially, Mad Max. No, oh, very good. Yeah, it's the actual origin of the whole thing. So what we have here, Michael, is something a little bit different from that because Solar Punk, um, as you said, is something primarily focused on energy from the sun. Um, and in oh, general. I was joking, is it? Yes, is that yes, what yes, it is? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. um, so if we took cyberpunk to be a future dependent on technology, if we took uh, steampunk to be a future heavily dependent on steam, or if we or took, past. you know, etc. This is one heavily dependent on renewable energy, but it highly contrasts with the other examples because um, these oh, are, what is it? this is a kind of quasi-utopian genre. Um, well, that's not very punk. It's not very punk at all, Michael. Um, unless you put it in contrast to our doom and gloom climate anxiety at the moment, in which case it is quite punk to be optimistic. Um, 
but I, I don't oh. know how I feel about that, you know. Yeah, I think some punks are on their way to beat you up I, in leather jackets with nose rings. What's new, Michael? What's new? Every episode <laughs> of this podcast, that's what I get. Um, but yeah, so solar punk is very new. Um, the first kind of mention of solar punk, because it was introduced on the internet, Michael, can be seen on Tumblr in 2014. Oh? Um, there's an artist that made a particular... Ben. yes. I thought Tumblr was only for lesbian fan fiction. Uh, yeah, it is. This is a kind of lesbian fan fiction. It's defense. Oh, very um, good. You know, um, that's, that's where it started. Um, but, uh, Michael, there was a post in, in 2014 on Tumblr of a of, of a nice kind of Parisian street, Michael. And there were some trees in the background. And they were all in neon colors, Michael. It was very colorful. And very nice. Um and the artist was asked to define their thought process behind this particular piece. And she said, oh, I kind of think of it as solar punk, you know, a world radically reinvented with renewable technology. And Tumblr ate it up. They were like, oh, that's so cool. What would you say the main kind of tenets of your um, of your new genre are? And then mm. the community kind of built it together and they came up with this very quasi-utopian kind of world where everything was a little bit better than how we predict it to be at the moment, which is quite nice. Give me some examples. Um, So rather than it being filled with cables and body horror or anything like that, what we get to see in this, Michael, you know, it's not grim, it's not grimy, it's not a dystopia. This is a world filled with kind of art nouveau aesthetics that are combined with Asian and African um, ethnic stylings so that you get like... Mm. You know, think Wakanda in Black Panther, Michael. I was thinking Wakanda, Ben, in Black Panther. Yeah, that's a pretty good shout, Michael. That's a pretty good shout. It's good that you came up with that off the top of your head. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I did, but you you preempted me. Benjamin. Yeah. It doesn't sound very punk. Uh, it seems like they've <laughs> it seems like they've they've co-opted the word punk. I keep coming back to this, but it's not very punk, is it? No, it's not very punk. Um, I mean, it. Uh, okay, so it, it isn't very punk. I think it would be fair to say, Michael, that it's not punk at all. Um, yeah, it's not punk at all. It's it's quite a hopeful vision of the future. Um, it's a lot to do with uh, eco kind of ecotopia and saving the planet and you know renewable farming methods and things like that. If you if you were to look at Singapore today, Michael, um, and the giant yes, vertical I've, gardens I've and artificial parklands and stuff with the the stacks of you know green biodiversity and whatnot, those yes. are steps towards solar punk. Right, the, right, okay, and heavily influenced is the is the genre by that, um, that kind of notion of vertical farming, using up the space, living a more peaceful life, a more agrarian life. Th- that's kind of the aim. Um, it all sounds very Star Trek. It, it, I, th- I think it is, but fundamentally different to Star Trek is that it's not. It's a bit more nomadic. It's a bit more tribal. You know, it's a bit more relaxed on the space socialist end of things, um, uh, and also humanity is not going to the stars. Um, oh, we're staying here. In a, yeah, it's it's one of the core tenets, Michael, of this particular thing. Ten A's, if you will. Yeah, David. David. Uh, one of the core Davids of this, Michael, is that we don't have to leave the planet anymore because solar punk has kind of brought an end to climate change as a concept. Right, right, right. Right? Right. doesn't sound very punk, though, does it? It, it, it doesn't, doesn't sound, sound very, very punk, nice. though, Michael. It doesn't sound very punk. Who's getting stabbed? Um, well, you see, this is the thing, Michael. So because it's a relatively new genre, we don't have a ton of core examples. 
You know. All right. Ben, are there any people wandering the deserts wearing body armor made out of solar panels? N- no, unfortunately not, Michael. Oh. And I knew this is where I'd lose you. I knew if there wasn't solar panel sporting samurai, um, yeah. I- I'd oh. never get you. <laughs> oh, Ben, imagine a samurai. Do you want to write made one? Solar panels. We should write a solar <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to do it? Let's, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's that'd do be it, great. Ben. We'll do it. And it'd be a samurai and he's got armor made of solar panels. Yeah, the solar samurai. Yeah, yeah, and he goes around wrecking everyone else's solar panels. Because like, oh, he solar wants panels to be the only for me. <laughs> He's seriously ahead. I think we're going to write this, Michael. I think we're genuinely going to write this together. Uh, okay, let's do it. So, there's relatively few examples, Michael, but it has been influential on certain things, and we have seen examples of it before the genre was defined. Um, go on, go on. So, uh, there's there's lots of different ones. One of the ones that slipped by us, Michael, is... Treasure Planet from Disney. Do you remember Treasure Planet? Didn't slip by me, Ben. I, I love Treasure Planet. Great film. Treasure Planet is a great film, Michael. And it's been largely left behind by the uh, the animation renaissance from Disney. Um, it, it was kind of the last in that line. I think it came out in 2000 and... I want to say 8. No, earlier, I think. But it, it, was, uh, it was in that awkward transition for Disney from traditional animation to, to computer animation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was a big uh, change in that, Michael. But you, you'll remember, particularly one of the things I was taken with as a young man, Michael, when I saw it, was Jim's bloody solar glider. That thing right. was that thing was bloody cool. Um, and it had the shimmery kind of uh, panelling, the hexagonal panelling that looked a bit like insect skin or wings or whatever you want to call it. And that's a great example, Michael, of solar punk. And it's a great example of solar punk because it follows on from steampunk and gives it a little bit of a facelift. Um, solar punk is very much solar punk is very much you know a technology for the future and we see it in great visual effect there because all the sails on the ships Michael they're just big solar panels that use solar winds and solar flares yeah, yeah. yeah it's great yeah it's very spacey though very spacey dystopian. so we probably we probably lose it there and it's a bit dystopian but it isn't always Michael there's the moon planet the moon port that's you know it's not perfect, um, but it does it does work as a community and as a society. Um, where it gets a bit dystopian is the the evil space pirates. Mm. They're not. That's great. a bit punk. They're not great. That's very punk, Michael. That's very punk. And I mean, Long John Silver in that is very punk in terms of he's almost steampunk, um, but his technology is actually powered by solar. Is it? Yeah. So the, that, because that's the core power source of the entire planet, Michael. Um, it's it's various forms of solar battery used to power different things. Hmm. So there's a great little example for you. Um, and one of the earliest ones that we can see very clear distinctions between other energy sources and renewable energy sources um, in a future thing. Although we can't really say the treasure planet is a future thing. It could be an alternate reality thing or, a, you know, we're, we're not 100% sure on that one, Michael. Yeah, they never really get into it. They never really get into it, thankfully. Thankfully. So we've seen some other examples of that as we go along, Michael. Um, notably, we had Black Panther and Afrofuturism. So there's a there's an overlap there. Afrofuturism is a, a really interesting concept, Michael, and we'll probably have to get an expert on to talk about it um, at some point because being a pair of white boys like us, uh, we're probably not qualified to speak on the, the depths and nuances of something like Afrofuturism. 
Benjamin, that has never stopped us before. I know, but it probably should in 2022. We should probably start making... Yeah, it's never stopped us before. <laughs> Maybe we should start outsourcing our expertise. Uh, but anyway... Uh, that means we're only going to talk about things for uh, related to Irish white people. Uh, What's your favourite crisp, Ben, Tato or King? King, hands down. Oh no, Tato for me. Oh, that's because you're wrong. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> come here to me. Yes. Uh, Afrofuturism is uh, a form of, of futurism thinking, so a kind of a hopeful bent for the future, but that is very deeply based in African cultures. Um, so as opposed to taking on a Western uh, colonized view of the world and how technology might progress using that mindset, it goes back to concepts of African, you know, time, African um, values, African society, and kind of builds on those and how technology could help to benefit that as opposed to the Western ideal of being very productive in a factory somewhere, uh, if that makes sense. Benjamin. Yes. It does. Benjamin, I am looking at some images here of SolarPunk on yeah. the internet. And it's all very japanese Yes. It's all very Studio Ghibli looking. Has has a lot of that going on, Michael. Has a lot of that going I'm on. Getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of Studio Ghibli and Square Enix um Final Fantasy vibes. There's a lot of Final smoke. Fantasy in there too, Michael. I'm getting a lot of that vibe from it, Ben. Is this a Japanese thing? It's not a Japanese thing, Michael. It's it's decidedly a Tumblr thing, and uh, it could be a little bit of everything. But um, it's decidedly hmm. a, a, a web community based thing, which makes it quite interesting. So there are some other. Are there any samurais? Um, I mean, you could probably make one with a samurai, Michael. We have our upcoming Solar Samurai comic coming out. Uh, you and oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, very good. we've spent years writing it, and uh, this is this is the sleeper episode through which we introduce the world to Solar Samurai and the quest for phenomenal renewable power. We'll probably bang it up on Kickstarter. Yeah, we'll probably bang it up on Kickstarter, and you can give us money. You want to give us money, ladies and gentlemen? Go on, give us money. Oh, we'd love a bit of money. We'd, we'd love, love a bit, a bit of, money of money anyway. So even if you don't want to buy the comic, you can just get up on that Discord and send us money. That'd be great. You can't send money on Discord, baby. Uh, no, I know. I know that's Discord why it's works. that's why it's a safe call to action, Michael. Because I don't actually want the viewers' money, um, and I don't want anybody <laughs> accidentally sending us money. Um, yeah, don't send us money. Don't please. send us money. We don't want that. We wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, no. Yeah, don't send us money. Not even as a joke. We're not. Yeah, no. Seriously, this isn't a. This isn't a whole thing. It's. It's no. <laughs> don't send us anything. If you have to send something, you can send Madam Web action figures to Ben. Um. No, don't do that. Sorry, Benjamin, that we've, sounds awful. We've got, we've got off Solar Punk here. Back to Solar Punk. <laughs> sounds awful. Please don't send me any Madam Web figures. So, Michael, come here to me. One of the earliest kind of um, texts that we've seen deal with the ideology behind something like Solar Punk. Um, is The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. Okay, so um, Parable, of the Sower, uh, Parable of the Sower is a novel that came out in 1993, Michael, and I have had the distinct displeasure of reading it. Um, the long and distant past. Uh, yes, 1993. Uh, it's set, Michael, in a future that has gone all to hell. Um, society oh, it's gone all wibbly wobbly uh, yeah society has pretty much you know uh, petrol is on the all time low uh, society has collapsed as we know it there's no strict police forces we're stuck in plutocracy um, so big money companies have taken over and they're running the planet if you want to be safe you have to work for one of the big corporations where they take away all your freedom and you'll probably die in a kind of indentured servitude style way or um, Benjamin yes are you describing a dystopian novel or now uh, <laughs> gotcha. Very good. Uh, take that, Bezos. Take <laughs> zing. Got him. 
but in in this novel michael you you have two choices you can join a larger community and try and do your best to hold out against the world at large which has gone slightly mad and um it's deeply unpleasant uh, some very difficult scenes to read in that book michael um you know if you leave the safety of your enclave or your community you'll wander around kind of a, a dilapidated 90s la um and you might get murdered you might get raped um oh, no. you might get skinned alive um there's some real weird stuff like Octavia E Butler is working through a lot of um a lot of stuff when she writes this it's written from an African American point of view and um the the main character of it she begins to come up with a, a radical new philosophy or theology called Earthseed okay um and Earthseed, her father is obsessed with kind of foraging and self-reliance and this kind of thing. Um, and because the world is so depleted on resources, he has lots of books about, you know, permaculture farming and making the most of the land and this kind of thing. And this kind of knowledge is not common anymore, but she's been heavily influenced by that. And she has to strike out on her own, Michael, and make her own way to a new place that is safer Um and along the way, she kind of meets people and talks to people and c- begins to explain her philosophy on life, which is Earthseed. So it's an old polemic, is it, Ben? It's an old polemic, Michael. It is. Um, but within it's that, an old Michael. Ayn Rand. It, eh, it is. It's, it's almost naive to a point, Michael, when you read it now and you're just like, oh, God, imagine. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine thinking that we could save the planet through planting a few seeds? But in the world of the parable of the sower, it's, it's absolutely fine. Um, and it's quite hopeful for a lot of people. And the novel itself, Michael, is dark. Um, Go on. But at its core is a hope that there is a renewable future. Um, you know, that if enough people believe in something like Earthseed, we might see a, a renewal of the planet. And I think in... In that case, it makes it a really great example of solar punk because it's set in a dystopia, but aiming towards something better. You know, hmm. um, so Parable of the Sower is, yeah, don't read it like if you're not in a good headspace. It's a tough slog don't of a re- book. Um, don't read it for the crack. Don't read it for the crack. Read it for a really interesting look at, I suppose, solar punk ideology and, I guess, Afrofuturism as well, to a certain degree, Afro-American futurism, uh, which is pretty interesting. But one of the ones, Michael, that I found most interesting while I was researching this is that Pokemon is held up as a great example of solar punk before solar punk was a thing. Um, you've got to catch them all, Ben. You've got to catch them all, Michael. But the, the Pokemon world is vehemently anti-pollution, if you recall. It's a bit like Captain Planet, no, that- but with dogfighting um they'll chase you down ben they'll chase you down uh, and they'll set a bloody snorlax on you if you're doing any polluting so team rocket is is the bad egg you know yeah team rocket are the the polluters the 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 corporations the oil magnates the just the, the all-round toss pots you know yes and then everybody else is kind of getting on with it michael um we've got electrical energy that's kind of gotten from pokemon which is probably Probably a bit ethically uh, murky. Some some ethical questions about that. Yeah, then. a few a few of those. But the the world of Pokemon's energy is all you know um, water based, electricity based. Uh, we don't have a lot of oil, Michael. In fact, some of the most evil Pokemon going are the, the Team Rocket Pokemon, who are um, kind of personifications of 
uh, environmental disaster. Pollution. So you've got wheezy, yes. <laughs> you've got coffer, yeah, coughing, uh, coughing. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, Co- yeah. wheezing and coughing. Um, yeah, you have Ekans, who's kind of the weird venomous snake, snake thing. <laughs> this is a snake man. He's just a little snake man. He's not a baddie. Benjamin. Yeah. Um. If uh, in the world of Pokemon, if they catch you polluting, they'll send a Hitmonchan after you to give you a big kick in the yeah, head. Yeah, give me a kick in the head. So, interestingly, yeah. Michael, we were all kind of indoctrinated into the idea of Solar Punk from a very young age. Because, you, you know, if you play the Pokemon games, let's take the Pokemon games at a core level, right? Okay, Ben, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing Sapphire at the moment. You're playing Sapphire at the moment. Wonderful, Michael. You'll yeah. notice that uh, they often use their Pokemon to get from A to B. There's not a lot of technology to get you across oceans or anything like that. There's young fellas flying so, around on Pidgeot's. Sometimes there's someone on a Pidgeot. Sometimes there's someone on a bloody Dragon Teeny. Yeah. And then other times there's the whole gang of people on a ferry. Okay. And you're like, what's going Chaos on in this in the universe? skies, Michael. Chaos in the skies. What is going on in this um, universe? But the, the, the Pokemon world is a bit of a uh, technocracy, Michael, because, you know, you have the Professor Oaks and the Professor... What's he called in Sapphire? I don't know. Professor... Professor Alistair. Beechwood. Um, he's been decided now, so he's Professor Beechwood. Um, and they're they're kind of the little the, the little mentors for all the young people, which is very worrying in a different way. Michael, go out there and catch some animals and you know, scrap. Uh, but it is a weird form of a, a solar punk kind of utopia because it's all based on renewable energy um, and getting along in a nice communal sense, Michael. So as I said, uh, this has become a huge genre, huge on TikTok with lots of different types of accounts kind of adopting it. Uh, some of which are artist accounts where they design kind of some of which are artist account where they design kind of um, solar punk utopias and things like that so that you can see them so things like what you were looking up very 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 Asian very Japanese mm, it's Professor Birch it's Professor you Birch quite close Beechwood Birch oh, basically the same tree not at all um, Dif- different trees yes different trees very much so but when we look at that Michael uh, so some accounts make kind of concept art for these things that are hopeful kind of reimaginings of cities and stuff like that other people are biologists and stuff that talk about how solar punk might be a nice way to combat climate anxiety there are other people uh, that talk about it as their own remedy for climate anxiety because climate anxiety is real Michael and it's affecting lots of millennials and bloody Gen Zers. Uh, because a whole bunch of people, Michael, are very worried about the future. Um, so solar. Oh punk, no, not the climate. Well, yeah. Uh, so solar punk has kind of become a very popular genre with them because it touts kind of a better future as opposed to one devoured by technology or yes. forcing us to give up parts of our humanity or become a cog in the globalist machine, so to speak. You know. Benjamin, in my generation, we were afraid of AIDS and nuclear war. Yeah, and we responded. We responded to that by making Terminator Two. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully, we'll get some cool cyberpunk stuff in the future. I mean, there's our upcoming Solar Samurai series. Um, yeah, Benjamin, do you think he should go back in time and try and stop solar panels, or is is he a goodie or a baddie? Uh, I mean, we could do an anti-hero arc if you want, Michael. We'll have to hash this out with HBO because, as you know, James Gunn has has really been in touch with us, and um, he's going to be in the next Suicide Squad movie. So we should probably figure out what he does. <laughs> right, sharpish. Very good. We can't have him look too much like Silver Samurai, Ben. We have to really make those solar panels pop. Well, yeah, we got to make sure they're good black and mirrory. You know, good black and yeah, mirrory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Michael, that's that's kind of. I'm I'm sorry, I've I've run out of steam here, Michael. Have you got anything to wrap uh, this up with? 
You've run out of steam. Very good. Yes. You should have. You should have used reused renewable energy. I should Benjamin. have. That's very good. I should have. Very amusing. Let's wrap us up then, Benjamin. All right, Michael. It's a bit of a shorter episode this week. I apologise, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but come here to me. Come here to me. Yes. What is it? What do you use as a form of radical hope for your uh, climate anxiety, ladies and gentlemen? What uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning, apart from a paycheck, which is just about the only thing keeping us all going at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why we do this. That's why we do this, for all the money and Spotify deals. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so tell us, ladies and gentlemen, what you think of Solar Punk Genre. Is it a load of old guff, or is it actually uh, quite an interesting thing? You can get in touch with us in a bunch of different ways. You can find us on the yes. interwebs at www.seanrabiog.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Sorry. It means tiny room in Irish. It means tiny room in Irish. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Sherlock sure Listen Podcast. Yeah, it means Sherlock sure Listen Podcast in English. You can indeed. You can find us on Twitter at Listenshire. Yeah. It's fairly self-explanatory. Um, yeah. And and oh, yes, what is it? Uh, you can find us in a much better way, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to be part of a radical hope community uh, that really talks about the best of things going on in the future. You can get up on that Discord, baby, where we talk about pop culture and stuff and we actually just practice escapism more than any kind of actionable plan for the future. up on it. Benjamin! Yeah? There'll be no action figures in a solar punk future. No, because plastic's no good, Michael. (laughs) They'll be made out of plastic, Benjamin. I'm against it. You're against it, Sheila. You you want plastic punk. Plastic punk or death. Plastic punk, yeah. (laughs) Plastic punk or death. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join us in a week's time where it'll be Sunday the 13th when we're recording and Monday the 14th of February, a Valentine's Day, uh, if you're listening. So we're doing doing a very interesting episode called The Strange History of Shipping. Uh, Shipping characters, (laughs) Michael. That's going to be our episode for uh, Valentine's Day this year. Um, If you haven't had Uh, enough... Ben, Ben, I dibsy not looking at the Winchester boys. (laughs) Oh, the Winchester boys are going to get some serious shipping. Uh, (laughs) So do us a favour and send us in your favourite and least favourite ships from your favourite fandoms. Uh, That would be very, very handy. Get up on the Discord and let us know. If you haven't had enough of Michael and myself this week, you can get in touch with us. Or no, you don't have to get in touch with us. You can also listen to our other podcast, Collecting Issues, the Bi-Weekly Comic Book Book Club, comic where we'll be taking club. a look at Nightwing, Volume 1, Leaping Into Light, uh, by Tom Taylor and an artist whose name I don't have in front of me. Damn it. That's um, <laughs> such professionalism. Who cares about the artists anyway? Uh, the era, we're in the era of the writers. Oh, I hate you so much. Uh, all right, that's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you next week, assuming the solar panels aren't all broken by an angry samurai.